back with uh, another episode of the RepView podcast. Uh, we've got Nick Day, the VP of Go-To-Market Strategy at Elastic, and we've got Kevin Keeney, uh, who's the RVP of Federal Sales at Elastic. Uh, great great to have you both and, and appreciate you hopping on and would love to hear a little more about you both and, and go from there. Hey, Darren. Hey, great to be here. Uh, I joined Elastic six months ago back in, uh, in January. Uh, I've held a bunch of uh, leadership roles in different uh, high-tech companies, uh, Coesity, Veritas, Dell, Hitachi, just running different parts of the business. And the, the opportunity to come on board here in a, in a hyper-growth company, just to help build up the, the strategy as to where we're going to move the needle over the next few years and, and take the, the business, which is nearing the billion in ARR, and get to two billion within the next few years. Just an exciting opportunity to, to join a rocket ship and further accelerate it. You know, Kevin, you've been here for, for a few few more years than I have. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Kevin Keeney here. Glad to be here. Super excited about Elastic. And I've been here coming up on five years, uh, which says a lot. I've kept up my enthusiasm. I've been able to move from a couple of different positions. Um, I, I Obviously, I currently support our DoD business. But uh, previously, I did was in a global overlay role for about two years, uh, focusing on our cybersecurity and our go-to-market. Uh, and then I had the opportunity to move into rep role and then into a sales leadership role. Uh, it's It's been awesome to be a part of a company that gives you that flexibility within career. And I'm sure we'll talk about that more later. Uh, I live in the Midwest. We're distributed by design. Uh, Nick, where do you live? I live I live in Montreal and I work for okay, our CRO who's based in Jersey. Uh, my head of enablement is in uh, is in the U.S. My head of enablement delivery is based in Whistler, B.C. Great place, by the way, to have somebody on your team if you're into skiing. Yeah. Our, our finance VPs in Switzerland. I mean, it's it's such a diverse and uh, and globally distributed team. I think one of our philosophies here is just hire the best talent, regardless of where they live, and just bring them into the the business. And I think we've been like that really from the start, which is pretty unique here at Elastic. Actually spreading globally now. Hey, Kevin, what, what was it originally attracted you uh, to the company, to Elastic? So my history as a, a very technical person, uh, building, designing data centers, running individual technologies, entering in pre-sales, started a couple of companies which were very technical uh, in their focus uh, through my journey. So I came to Elastic because I was using it in the U.S. military at the time. I was wearing a uniform and was doing really cool stuff hunting for bad guys uh, a little bit before U.S. Cybercom was stood up, but that was my background. I've been doing cyber since the 90s. Um, before it was called cyber, it was called information warfare. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so I found Elastic, this little search engine, to be amazing at sifting through data. And I was just happy to be looking for, for evil. Uh, this was many years before Elastic <laughs> even thought about security as a use case. Um, I then was at a Fortune 200 running several security teams there uh, and continued to find value in what Elastic was doing. I was just super excited about how disruptive this was. It was very different than any other tooling or security things I had used. And that that's kind of it. That sold me. I fell in love with the technology and then just ended up sort of finding my way to work at the company. Product, so that's, yeah, so product market fit, right? Exactly. So, so most of the RepU kind of community uh, is evaluating roles, and and we always push them go really deep on product market fit, right? And you had a front row seat, right? And so that's it's almost like a cheat code to know as a user. I always love hearing that 
I was a user of the product and I loved it so much that I decided to go sell there, right? There's no better uh, you know, validation of the product market fit than like, man, I literally sat in your seat. Uh, and I'm sure, correct me if I'm wrong, that being a user sitting in that seat has played a key role in uh, being successful in sales and selling uh, that solution. Any, any, uh, any anecdotes on that? Um, yeah, I, I've heard it often said that I have sort of a, a bona fides in front of customers or a authenticity. They trust me maybe a little bit more because I can kind of dive down maybe at a little bit more technical level sometimes than maybe peer salespeople, but I'm not sure about that. Um, less about me, more about our pre-sales uh, solution architects. Uh, it's incredible how many of them used the product, uh, used our solutions uh, prior to joining Elastic, much like you said. And they have that opportunity to be that trusted advisor around solving data problems and pain points and search problems for different companies. And again, I think that always helps uh, for sure. So. I've seen that a lot across, I have friends that are sales engineers, pre-sales that if you look at the orgs that they're in and the previous roles that they've had, they are very successful when they've used the product. So I think you guys are, that's a great, great anecdote. And it's probably a confidence booster for your AE team to know that they've got a pre-sales team that it's previous users as well. Especially the newer, as Nick is here growing this sales organization <laughs> rapidly globally it is got to be a comfort to know, okay, I'm going to come in here. I got to learn this technology, but I got an amazing technical business partner with me who, you know, probably has used the product in production, right? Yeah. It's incredible um, when you see the, like the, the user base out there. I mean, one of the things that attracted me to Elastic when I came on board was you know, customers love our products. Like we've been really focused on our customer base and developers. We've nurtured our open source community and, and the brand there is really strong. Like we've really helped grow that. And it's, it's helped contribute to this, this meteoric growth that we've been going through. That's great. And that leads to customer stories, which then feeds more customers being interested. And it all just creates a, a flywheel for growth. Absolutely. What, um, I, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll send this one to Nick and, and then it's going to be specific for Kevin too on the federal side. But when you guys, Nick, when you guys are hiring sales broadly, hiring for the sales team, what do you, what do you look for on the team? Maybe characteristics or DNA? So you look at a company that's grown rapidly. And, you know, for, for those who aren't very familiar with Elastic, you know, we, we ingest data from all sorts of different sources. Just, you know, think of your laptop. And I'm just going to kind of take a little pivot to, to get to that answer. But Think of your laptop, it slows down, control alt delete, you try to figure out exactly what application is slowing it down, you kill it, then suddenly everything works. Now imagine you have 10,000 laptops, 500 access points, 1000 applications, and your CEO calls and says, hey, our e commerce engine is slowing down, what's causing it? How do you figure that out? Well, with all the data that we gather, we're able to quickly assess like what is slowing things down and then be able to help people take the, make the right decisions and also even be predictive about it with AI and ML. Now you start thinking about what's happening from a security perspective. It's those same machines. You're gathering data from those same machines where the bad actors are coming in and trying to infiltrate your, your environment. So we're seeing the observability in the security spaces really converge. So when we're looking for people, at least now, I mean, our journey to get us to where we are today has been really just developing. And, you know, we've been really strong in, in log analytics and APM and synthetics and serverless. And we've really been pivoting to security in the last few years very successfully. 
having somebody who has that entrepreneurial spirit that that's able to come in and look at, hey, how can we solve our customers' problems? Because our technology can do quite a bit, but it's really going in and adapting it to our customer lens. So somebody who can really go in and empathize with the customer, understand what problems they're, they're really trying to solve and quantify the value and then be able to show how our technology can help support that. I mean, that, that's, that's key. And I know it sounds like what a lot of companies are looking for, but somebody who can come in and really see this opportunity, you know, we're talking about a business that's growing 40% year over year. Our cloud business is 80% year over year growth. I mean, it's, it's hyper growth. It's how do we go in and understand really what pains the customer's feeling? How can we address them? And then really be able to map that and not just land and, and sell that solution, but then really see things through, help the customer realize that value. And when you look at our source code, which a lot of companies talk about ethics and you know their, their code of values, we really live by our source code. Um, you know, source code are things like home dinner. You know, everybody lives and works remotely. So being being able to make time for personal things. Um, coming as you are, you know, I spoke about like different people on my team being based around the world. I mean, we've got a lot of diversity within the organization and that really bringing your authentic self is really key. But I think one of the most important things is humble and ambitious. We have a really, really good culture here. I've, I've never seen a culture like this in a company. So we wanna hire people that are driven, ambitious, goal-oriented and entrepreneurial and get things done but not at any expense. We're not looking for those lone wolves that can kind of come in and they'll do anything at any cost because that just kills your culture. And Kevin, I'm sure you've, you know, you've interviewed people like that in the past where you've got somebody that, wow, they're, they're hitting their results, they're getting things done, but they're just going to destroy the sort of like the, the, the spirit of the team. But the yeah, 100%. Quick quick follow up on that um, Nick you, you you mentioned some of the basics of um, you know understanding pain and delivery like do you all train on a specific sales methodology or do you have kind of an in in-house kind of um, ascribed methodology that's that's kind of that we would know the name of or anything like that um, or how, how do you think about sales? Because you, you, you're right, a lot of companies do, hey, we want them to understand the customer, they want them to understand the pains, we want them to show value, et cetera, right? Like a lot of solution selling centers around that. How do you, how do you think about specific methodologies or have you kind of built that in-house? Great, great question. And, you know, as the company's grown, I mean, we've hired, hired over a thousand people in the last year. I mean, the company has grown very quickly. You bring in a lot of talent from different companies. And I think, you know, speaking to salespeople out there, everybody's gone through multiple sales training courses, whether it's spin selling, challenger. I mean, there's so many different courses out there. Uh, we adopted MedPay as a sales methodology. And, and the reason we wanted to standardize on things is, you know, Ryan and, and Darren and Kevin, if I were to say, hey, let's go to a football game. You know, if I'm talking to somebody from Europe, they're thinking soccer. Uh, if I'm talking to you guys based in the US, you're thinking NFL with four downs. Uh, I'm in Canada. And our CFL has three downs, bigger field. I mean, we're all talking about football, but we're all thinking different things. So having everybody aligned to one common definition so that we're all working and aligned to the same metrics makes a big impact. So we made the decision to roll out MedPick earlier this year. 
just so, so that we can focus on qualifying for the right opportunities and then executing because we want our reps to be as successful as possible, closing as much business as possible and making as much money as possible. So by qualifying early and focusing on the ones that we know we can win, that makes all the difference in the world. That pick's also great for setting up retention as well and handoffs with CS and making sure everything's captured and love it. Absolutely. How does that play into the hiring process? Um, you know, med, obviously med pick is a bonus, I would think, but do you, do you consider that? Do you look for that? Or you're just all about, we're going to try, they probably have some sense of solution selling experience. So we'll, we'll, we'll get them aligned with med pick in our methodology versus, Hey, we're only hiring somebody that's already been trained. How, how are you thinking about that? Having, and, and Kevin, I'd love you to add some color after this, but uh, when when I've interviewed people for different roles, whether it's a rep role all the way through to, you know, a, a VP level role, you want somebody to be able to come in with, let's call it enterprise mentality. You know, uh, Elastic as a company has been around for 12 years. We IPO'd three years ago and we've been growing quickly, but we still have very much of a startup culture in many ways, very agile, very nimble. Uh, but the way we're going to get from almost a billion in ARR to two billion over the next few years is really to bring in more of an enterprise mentality. So understanding sales methodology, be able to jump in and say, look, I, I know I've got to do this. There's standards around forecasting and pipeline calls and deal reviews and planning. You know, you talk about planning. If you're going to take your family to Disney World for a vacation, you don't just buy tickets and show up. I mean, you do that. And if you've got little kids, you're in for a rough day. You want to make sure you're planning your day. Which ride am I going to do first? Booking some fast passes and everything so you make the most, um, get the most return on your investment. Well, we want we want reps that have, that have done that, that understand the importance of doing that so they can plan their time out properly. So in the interview process, we, we ask a lot around, like, what have they done? How have they planned their time? How have they ensured that they're closing the right deals? And how do they fail out quickly of deals that they shouldn't be involved in? Uh, and a question I, I often like to ask reps or even leaders in uh, in an interview is, you know, just, uh, hey, Ryan, you know, you, you get an invite from Darren. Darren just closed the biggest deal of his career, and he's inviting you out for drinks on Saturday night and saying he's buying for everybody. He's definitely buying. I know that much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's definitely buying. So you, you guys are out for, yeah. for drinks, and everybody's having an amazing time and sharing more stories. It comes to you, Ryan, and and it's like, hey, Ryan what's the biggest win you ever had? You know, the one that you're most proud of in your sales career. And it's a question I like to ask people because what it does is, first of all, if somebody doesn't lean in with passion, first of all, they can't find a win, that's a big flag. <laughs> yep. If somebody kind of just says, well, I closed the deal and it was okay and it's very ho-hum, the passion's not there, that, that's another flag. But if somebody kind of lights up and I love to see that flicker when they light up and say, oh, a few years ago, I was working on this deal and this happened and we did this. You see the passion, but what it does is, first of all, what did they close? How do they tell a story in terms of articulating the deal, how they got it done, why they won? Um, it shows me passion. It shows me drive. So that one question has been probably the greatest question I've ever asked in uh, in my, I guess, my leadership uh, interviews and, and rep interviews, because you really, you get a chance to really see the entire individual um, and how they perform. And it tells a lot about somebody. Love I mean, that. Kevin, any perspectives on your end? I mean, for having interviewed and brought people in, into Elastic, like what, what do you look for? Yeah. 
Well, thanks. Uh, enjoyed listening to you, Nick. It's great to hear your perspective. Having you know, you have a lot of industry experience. Been in the last like six months, but uh, I don't disagree. It's like we're definitely growing up from the startup model, and some people are like, oh, it's becoming more bureaucratic or whatever. I, I would say it's a lot easier now to know where to get the resource you need to close a deal, um, and that wasn't always the case. You just had to navigate and feel your way through the org to get some things done and processes. So I've actually enjoyed. Uh, the maturing we've been doing over the last three years, I would say, since we IPO'd, uh, definitely just little by little, getting more structured and organized and know where to do things. And so actually, I'm really uh, happy with where we're at and how we're, how we're changing. And that's okay. It's just part of growth, right? Especially hyper growth. Um, to, to circle back a touch on, you know, what I'm looking for, uh, I think humble uh, is really important to me. Will, or willingness to learn, maybe you said another way. Elastic's a really disruptive technology. You have to like, first be humble enough to learn a little bit about it and understand why we're so disruptive in the market. Uh, that's key. Uh, for me, another thing is really understanding your customer. Uh, if you're in the financial sector, really understanding the, what their needs are, what they're working on, what broad things are happening, what are the pain points and struggles, what are the things that the CIOs and CTOs are saying, right? Uh, if you're in the military, right, you're, you're in the army, you really got to know your army customer, what's going on with them with the budget, what are the key investments they're making, right? So that is really important for me because really elastic sales uh, professionals are helping their customer along their journey with elastic is the way I look at that, right? So sort of whether they downloaded it free, they spun up a free cloud trial or uh, someone internally said, hey, we're starting to solve problems with this. We should meet with them and learn more. Uh, from that point forward, a salesperson just sort of getting the right resource in front of them right? Getting them a demo of what they've asked for, getting them an architecture review done. But uh, a salesperson is really kind of guiding their way through, discovering the challenges that need to be overcome, the, the ROI the customer is looking for, the mission impact they're looking for, depending on where you're selling. So those are a couple of the things that sort of really stick out to me. Obviously, there's so many intangibles in this business, as you all know, but those are three big ones for me. Love it. That, sound, that sounds like more command of the message, maybe when you think about MedPick versus command of the plan, especially knowing the army customer and the vernacular, maybe. Yeah, language is key. And again, if you're selling pharmaceuticals, you gotta know your customer's language. Uh, so that's key for me in interviewing, right? I, no matter what role it's, do you really understand your customer? Uh, if you understand them, you're gonna quickly build rapport and relationship. And this is about relationship, just like any company. You're, you're, you're building lifelong friendships when you're in sales. And I think that's something that all of us uh, enjoy who are sellers. We talked a lot about how interviewing and, and, and get going through that process is very similar to obviously a sales process, right? And, and one thing you mentioned was being humble. And I think this is something a lot of salespeople could, could take away is the ability to balance confidence and, hum, and being, being humble and being confident in the process, right? Because I think what, what I took from, from what you said there was like, Elastic is very disruptive, right? There's there's a lot of things. If you're coming in new and cold, you, you just don't know some of this. You, you're not a product expert. You're not. A, and, I, you know, we've all seen it interviewing tons of people, which is they, they think they might be a product expert, right? They, they you know, but but there's so much that they don't know. And I think that's a really key point is uh, for that sales pros, I think, listening to this can take away, not just if, if you're interested in getting you know, into elastic, but, but in any interview process is how do you, how do you manage to balance knowing that you don't know a lot and being humble when your natural, you know, your natural instinct is to exude confidence. Um, and I think you can do the same and apply the same methodology to a sales process, which is 
you're not an expert in your customer yet because you haven't worked there. Maybe you have, you know, if you've been in the army, but um, you know, so, so balancing that. So it's a great point. I love, I love the, you know, the humble point that you made there. Humble with inherent curiosity. You know, some of the best interviews I've had with folks come and they say, Hey, I've done some research on elastic and wow, I didn't know that you guys did this and this, but I don't really understand this component. Like, can you tell me more? And what it does, it shows like, like, I don't expect people to come on board and be experts on our technology during an interview. Mm -hmm. But what I do expect is for somebody, I mean, it's, it's always a two-way interview. You know, you are looking to trust the next few years of your career with us. So if it's just, just trying to show, Hey, this is what I can do, but there's no kind of two-way well, tell me more about this. What's your strategy? Tell me more about your partner ecosystem or what are you guys using from a sales methodology perspective? You know, you see the people are leaning in. They want to understand how we do things. I love that. And I mean, oftentimes the, the interviews will go over the, the allocated time because you just lose track and you have like a really good conversation. And those are the ones where I feel like folks are almost like the best fit for an organization. Yeah, 100%. I got to add some humility real quick. Yeah, the other thing about humility is is not just the tech piece, like hey, willing to learn the disruptive technology, which is the angle I sort of was talking about. But uh, I could speak about humility a lot. But the, the key one is selling is no longer you as a sales rep. I'm going to sell the thing. Selling is a team sport. Like, let's mm -hmm. just be honest. We have sales development reps. We have inside reps. We have pre solutions architects. We have customer success managers. We have consulting posts. We have training. We, you just have this army of people and the salesperson is truly a quarterback nowadays in modern selling. It's a team approach. If they're not humble, they're like, I can do it all type A personality. And that is just yeah. not, it doesn't work anymore. It just, it, maybe it did before I got into sales, but I don't think it works today. You got to have the humility to be a, a, a part of a team and value the members around you's expertise and what they bring to the deal to help get it closed and have a customer be successful. Yep. Well, it's funny. I was actually, we just onboarded a new digital marketer on our team who didn't have a ton of sales background. Um, so I was using the football analogy of the AE being the quarterback and the offensive line being the SDRs and the, the wide receivers being the, the solutions engineers, et cetera. And like, he has a football background. So like that was trying <laughs> to speak his language and it, it hit pretty well. So it's, it's good to hear that's working. Storytelling is so key. I mean, I think most people here have had kids or know of kids. Kids love stories and adults love stories. That's why we go to the movies. If you are a good storyteller, you will be successful in sales because you can stick. And it's, it's getting an understanding of the technology, getting an understanding of the customer's business, and then being able to tell a story of how it can help them and how it can help them progress. If you can do that with humility, I mean, those come apply. We are hiring and we are hiring fast. I mean, I've never seen a company hire so quickly as Elastic, and and the talent here has been amazing. So we, I know we probably have a couple other topics too, but just to sound like that, what we've heard over the last few minutes, right? Humility, super important. I'm also a huge fan of intellectual curiosity um, for for the exact reasons that you mentioned, right? You're you're you you know you, what you don't know, you want to learn the product, and and frankly, we talked early on about product market fit. Right. Like it shows that you're doing your diligence. Can I sell this? Can I understand this product? Can I sell this product? Um, do I believe that the market for this product is strong and that I can be successful in there? So, so intellectual curiosity during the interview process to me is diligence on product market fit. And, um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm highly interested in people that want to know that they can succeed. They don't want to come and, and not succeed. So 
uh, again, humility, intellectual curiosity, um, a couple big, a couple of things that are really high on the list at Elastic. So, so think about think about those as you as you ready your application for a sales role at Elastic. Which which I think hiring managers should think about that as the DNA of that should carry over into the discovery that goes into sales calls with prospects and customers because if you're doing it in the interview process, there's no reason you shouldn't be doing it when you're talking to prospects. Exactly. Well said. Um, so I guess that's a good segue uh, into how are you getting candidates and what does the interview process look like? So, I mean, we're getting candidates, like any company, referrals. I mean, referrals from different folks, you know, as we're hiring and we're hiring fast, different people come in, you cross-pollinate, you get a good, a good culture and we get a lot of references. Uh, but we're also getting a lot of people that are applying, just given the velocity of roles. You know, a lot of people wonder, if I just apply online, does anybody look at it? What I can tell you is we have a world-class recruiting team. I mean, some of the best I've ever worked with. And when people apply online, it just gets us, gets folks into the system. And right away, there's usually a quick screening call just to have a discussion on, you know, why are you applying? Like, do you have the right background? Like culturally, are you, are you, are you right for, you know, where, where we're going? Um, but from an interview process, typically starts with our recruiting team. And then you'll have a panel of four or so people that will that will interview for, first of all, is this person, you know, right for elastic? You know, and we talked about like the, the, the culture and our source code and the things that are important. Is this person going to fit in within the organization? Um, do they have the right skill set and the right background? They, and are they coming on board for the right reasons? And then we started to incorporate also a bit of a bar raiser concept you know, in terms of somebody that is independent of the, of the direct hiring team that'll just look at, is this person going to help raise the caliber of the team? Well, I, I love the concept of, hey, if I joined the company six months ago, would I be able to join a year from now, just as the talent keeps creeping up? Um, and that's just, that's just part of evolution. We want to continue to bring great talent on board. And what I've seen is great talent attracts even better talent. Love it. Love it. Kevin, what, any other perspective? Um, I have brought a ton of my professional friends uh, to Elastic over a five-year time frame. That is for sure. In some of the ways that happens is organically. I'm just excited about working here. I love it here. And I've always loved it here. And that is contagious. And people are like, hey, opening ever comes up, let me know. You know, so sometimes it's accidental. You're having a beverage or just talking about something at work that you're excited about. Um, you know, last, I, I, I've worked for two Fortune 100 best places to work, okay, in my career. Two of them. They're great, great places. I, I literally say this all the time. Um, Elastic is 10 times better than either of those. Uh, as far as how they take care of you, benefits, culture, um, the technology, the people, I don't know. It just, uh, I'm in love with this company and have been since I got here and it hasn't changed yet. Uh, and that then spurs other conversations. So that's just a very me perspective. I think Nick has the, you know, the global perspective of how recruiting works, how you get them in the door. But, uh, you know, excited to talk about how the, that, how the process has changed, um, you know, what it was like when I went through my interview five years ago and what it's like today. I think that has changed a lot. So if we want to talk about that, that'd be, you know, a topic I'm interested in for sure. And, and just real quick, one takeaway I took from that comment was, the fortune top 100 best places to work may or may not be uh, just a marketing ploy, but we'll save that for another discussion. <laughs> <laughs> IP paid play.
know, Ke- Kevin did did hit on something though. You know, in terms of this company is very very focused on on people. You know, things that I've seen happen. Um, you know, we talk about uh, about shut it down days. So on top of PTO that people get when they come on board here, we close down the entire company two days a month. So almost like every other Friday, we shut it down. And this isn't just a, you know, hey, we're, we're shutting it down, but everybody's really working. You get hundreds of emails. Like the entire company shuts down because we understand that in the last few years, work has gotten more intense. You know, you've got, you might have sick family members. You might have kids at home running around. There's so much going on. It gets really intense and staring at a screen as we are right now is you do eight hours of this, nine hours of this, it, it can be pretty burning or pretty draining. So getting to the end of the week and knowing that you've got a four-day work week every other week, and this isn't something we just spun up this year. We've been doing this for two and a half years. So as more companies and more uh, countries are even starting to adopt four-day work weeks, this is something that we've been living for a few years. And just personally, I've loved it because you can go really intense and then just get a chance to get a breather and even just catch up on some reading and, and stuff around the house. Note, note that, Ryan. <laughs> so I, I have mixed feelings sometimes about the four-day work week being in sales, right? Where is, is your quota lowered by the days that, you know, you're not in the office? Um, and so it, it's not so much that I don't believe that people need time to decompress uh, and do those things. It's more so that I, I, I worry that in some cases it could be actually a burden on some salespeople um you know so it, it's 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 a nuanced topic that um for sales specifically that that i think sometimes the company policy can can kind of overlook that aspect of things so um that, that's just something that something that i i, I think a lot about right um because i think, I hear I think it's a, a mixed uh bag you know that's nuanced right i have reps that maybe have never experienced that a down like a a chill culture, a down culture, whatever the whole idea of a shutdown and they can't do it. Like they're working on the shut it down day. It's just who they are and they don't know how to turn it off. And we get that. We understand who those people are. Um, and then I've seen people make the journey to starting to ease into it. Like, Oh, I can be more effective, or maybe I can just work for an hour or two in the morning, do some administrative tasks. And I actually can kind of take a long weekend and hit the golf course. Maybe I do it with a customer on a Friday, but I don't feel guilty about golfing on the Friday with that customer or whatever. Everyone finds their balance. Uh, and then there's others who are just like, no, I, I can do, I can straight up take off this day. Um, because part of it is because the inbox doesn't fill as much either. Like that sounds weird or the Slack messages don't pile up as much. So yeah. the more people do it, the easier it gets a little bit. Um, but good account reps, good salespeople, not a plan. Well, yeah. and we publish these dates a year, almost a year in advance or about a year in advance. I know that I'm, I have them all the way out to December of this year right now. So then I can plan around it. My reps can plan around it. So anyway, those are my thoughts. I love it. All right. All right. So, so sold. So Darren, once we hit a billion in ARR, <laughs> then I'm in. Yeah. Well, we're going to keep Elastic helping, help Elastic with sales hiring and get them I'm in. Yeah. Um, this is a fun one. What, what, what's a candidate that you've had in the interview process that you thought just crushed it? And then for whatever reasons, didn't end up getting the job. You know, I'll, I'll share just one high level and maybe Kevin has, has a story, but um, I, I remember interviewing somebody early on that checked all the boxes, 
right experience coming from somebody within our our competitive space uh very very driven and there are a few flags that set off like when we went at least during the interview in terms of how they were and just how aggressive they were and then in some of the the reference checks um really were able to to kind of connect a few dots that this person really got things done but left like a lot of wake turbulence in their path and as much as you want to do that like you don't want to you want you don't want to destroy your culture so that was that ended up being a no because that unfortunately i mean the person would have had a lot of talent but you can't do it at any expense i mean kevin what about you you know, I will say I find it rare that we're up until the very last, you know, kind of touch point and then saying no. I feel like we we figure that stuff out earlier in the interview process. Uh, our interview tends to end in sort of a, a role playing kind of capstone panel, uh, which I uh, that has changed over the years. And I really like where we're at now, which is uh, Nick had hit on it. It's sort of like, tell us your 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 great deal. Tell us all about your most recent win. And that has changed the interview process, the end of it, sort of the kind of final thing. Um, but definitely the ones that I think it weeded out are the ones that the challenges is the, the lone wolf personality, the I'll call them super type A's where it's all about them, uh, non-team sellers. And maybe you find that out through reference or referral or somebody said, you know, where you just pick up on nuances that it's kind of a lot of I, a lot of me, a lot of... Um, those sort of things tend to be the number one filter, I think, for most of us at Elastic. I, I'm going to apply that broadly because I think it's not just my perspective. I've kind of seen that as we sort of huddle after an interview and chat about, hey, what went wrong with that candidate? It, all, more often than not, it comes down to me monsters. Yeah. Yeah. The ones that talk about themselves in the third party. <laughs> Nick, Nick's good at doing this. Nick's good. At, you know, you, you could quickly kind of flag those early on. Yeah, you're out. I think your I think your question going back earlier, Nick, of uh, tell me about your biggest success weeds a lot of this out because it'll tell you what what other people were brought in. Were you a quarterback just running the ball down the field the whole time, or were you actually throwing it and handing it off, et cetera? Such a multifaceted question. I mean, it really covers like collaboration, storytelling. Yep. It's it it's it's fascinating, and uh, I encourage everybody just to to even ask that question. You know to some of their peers and colleagues. It's always interesting to kind of hear somebody's journey. Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting one for reps to flip on managers too. It's what's the most successful, or how do you make reps successful or what is your most successful rep done? How did you help them? Things like that. It's so a good point. Flip. Like if, I know you and I had chatted earlier about like ramp because you know you join a new company and it, as a new hire to a company, you. You come out. I mean, you're you're dangerous because you're highly motivated, but but very unknowledgeable on the company. So you can you just want to find a way to kind of get into the trenches and start selling. Um, so we we look at ramp very seriously here, and you can't just come in and enable somebody. You got to hire the right person with the right contacts for the right industry in the right territory at the right time. You know you. Do you want to hire somebody that's more of a white space rep versus an enterprise farming rep? You got to make sure you're hiring the right person. But then as that person comes on board, you need to give them the right enablement. So give them the right training, the right coaching and mentoring. And we've got great mentoring for the first 90 days just to get people really accelerate into the company, continue to invest there. 
But then if you do all that and you just put them into a completely cold territory with no business, you know, you just kind of create new territory, give all the good stuff to somebody else and you bring them into nothing. I mean, then it takes them a lot longer to get successful. So you want to bring them into a warm territory. And then finally, a pivotal piece is, is our, our first line sales leaders. That person has got to provide the new hire a lot of mentoring and coaching, help them get the talk track and, and get a sense of like how to navigate the system, how to create a deal, how to, how to get things done, and just sort of the, the anatomy of getting a deal done. Now you bring those four things together and ramp time just decreases. And what that does, it allows our, our new hires to be successful sooner. So they're, they're contributing. They feel proud about that, but they're also making money earlier. And some of our best reps are starting to hit that within their first quarter or two very quickly. Yeah. Do you think call recordings help with ramping as well? I think it, it depends. You know, there's, um, when you start looking at some of the more junior sales roles, when you're looking at SDRs, when you're looking at inside reps or SMB reps, I think it's good because these are typically some of the, the newer sellers within the organization and they're high velocity sales. So you want to quickly provide that feedback. When you're starting to talk about like the more seasoned enterprise and global reps, that's where a lot more of the, the, the manager involvement and, and sitting down on, on some of the calls makes more of an impact. Yeah. We, we call it call shadowing, right? Uh, I'll bring someone new in, but even technical people, right? Pre-sales engineers uh, will often do shadows, but I've done a lot of shadows. Uh, if I'm bringing a new rep, I'm traveling with that rep for a while, or I'm having maybe a global account manager travel with that rep, or even a peer, maybe they're going to split an account a little bit as they're getting warmed up in that territory, something like that. But you, you got to watch someone do the walk in, in this business, I think. Uh, there's a lot of ways to do that. My, my favorite, honestly, is roll my sleeves and get in the field. It's what I love doing anyway. So it's just great. You're kind of training people out in the field. Uh, you get to know them too. After the meeting, you get to do that AAR, which I'm a big fan of after action review, the parking lot discussion. Hey, what went right? What went wrong? What do you think we could have done differently in that? You know, what's the one piece of information we didn't get that we should have, right? What is the most successful part of that conversation? All the things, right? I love having those conversations. Makes me better. It also sets the stage for being a learner, which is super important for rep being successful, is constantly striving to get better. How do you do it? After every call, after every key meeting, focus on getting better, right? So anyway, spot on. Love it. Love it. So we see, we see some prime examples of professional development in action uh, for the team there. So, so I see a lot of applicants for, for the elastic roles. That's great. Great. So a few of the, few of the takeaways may have one or two more questions, right? So looking to get a role at elastic, curious, humble team player. Uh, you might get surprised with the question about what's the best deal you've ever closed. So be prepared for that. You know, and and, and uh, you know, take ownership of that, and, and think of a good one, and and um, so that's another another, uh, especially um, if you've been selling for a while. So um, we do you know, uh, give them, we do give them. Uh, I don't know if it's twenty four hours, forty. We give them a warning on that. We kind of say, hey, you're going to mm -hmm. do a panel. We're going to have a couple of people in the room. Um, we're usually going to have a technical person. Maybe it's a peer. You know, probably uh, an RVP or something like that. But give them a heads up. You know, we want to get people prepared to think thoughtfully about a recent win and, you know, being able to describe that and not, we're not trying to, we're not trying to trick people, right? We want yeah. to be fair to people. No, and that's, and that's fair, right? I mean, I think, I think, I think what you'll get by giving them the heads up is 
So if, if you don't give them a heads up, you'll probably get fine answers, but you might not get the, the realist of the real answer of what truly is the best deal that they've ever closed, right? If you, if you ask me that off the cuff, yeah. right? When you, when you said that, when you asked that question, I started thinking in my head, I was like, <laughs> what's the best deal? And then two or three minutes later, I was like, I kind of landed on what I would probably communicate uh, versus the first one or two that came to my mind. I could have talked about a deal. Um, and the counterpoint was, well, you're, you're giving them too much of an advantage to come up and make the perfect... Hey, guess what? If they do their research and they work hard to really think through a deal and document all the elements of that deal, what does that tell me about that person? They're preparing, right. they're doing research, they know how to tell a story, they're going to be passionate about it because they know their content. Just like if you learn a technology, it's easy to be passionate about it because you actually understand it. Um, so it's a great indicator, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, but yeah, you, you mentioned, Nick, you mentioned the orgs all over the world. Um, what, what have, you know, obviously I think days off help, but like, how do you help? What, what are the things you're doing, especially in this digital environment of keeping the team connected? Well, I mean, so we've been distributed and it's been part of our DNA since day one. We have people in 44 countries around the world, you know, over 3000 people, uh, and the resources have been in place, you know, from day one, uh, something that I've loved here. I mean, all our execs are extremely accessible. You know, you look at Ash, you know, as our CEO or Shai as, as our founder, um, talk to Janesh, our CFO and CEO, uh, Michael, our CRO, like across the board, it's as much as it's a big company, it's also very flat where anybody in the world can just reach out and say, hey, I need help on this. And people are extremely responsive and want to help. So we have the right systems, the right tools. You know, I have I onboarded in the tail end of, of COVID, you know, when at least in Canada, things were still shut down, you couldn't really travel. And uh, I felt part of the team from day one, it was really connected. You know, you, you end up staring at the screen quite a bit, but we're, we're really set up to be distributed and, and we keep people well connected, even our, our onboarding. I think one of our, uh, my new hire class had something like 430 people in it. Yeah. 430 people in the new hire class. It's incredible. Wow. Uh, the company does a great job at getting people together, welcome them to the company. Uh, just before I started, I got this great little welcome box with all this elastic swag in it and just a nice note. And it was, you just feel part of something. And you know that like all the nice little touches from when you join to the messages to the, the hundreds of welcome notes that you get from folks welcome you to the team. Uh, the Slack groups, there, there's just so many tools to keep people connected that, you know, you realize after a few weeks, wow, I actually haven't left my chair, but I feel like I've made all these new friends around the world. So at, at least that's been the experience for me. I, I actually haven't even met right. some on my team yet after a few months. And uh, yet I feel like I know them pretty well. I've got to, I've got to chime in at the elastic old timer, so to speak, on this, uh, <laughs> this podcast today. <laughs> Uh, one of my favorite things about Elastic uh, prior to COVID, uh, the, the three years prior, you know, that I was here, um, was how we united the cluster, as we like to say. Uh, so we would do sales kickoffs um, and how family focused. I would I brought my wife and daughter to sales kickoff in Paris, France, and that was welcomed. And there was lots of other spouses doing that. I did an engineer all hands in Dublin, brought my wife and my two boys. And many other families were there. It was a part of Elastic culture. Yeah, you know, there were nights where like, hey, this is just internal to Elastic. You know, feel free to be a tourist. Um, but then there were nights where we were like, okay, we're going to do a little bit of a dinner with smaller teams and you can bring your significant other. Um, I've done, Berlin, I did a, 
I think a global all hands in Berlin where we brought everyone together. And again, I've just brought my wife on that trip. And then there were other events that I didn't like we did a global all hands in Orlando, Florida. It is like, man, we're not doing that. I'm not, but guess what? That was my American view. All of our people in Asia and Europe, they were so excited that we did an event there and they brought their families, right? It's just different culturally, regionally, and they brought them there. So uh, that was one of my favorite things about Elastics, how we always found an excuse, whether from an engineering perspective, a sales perspective, or a whole company perspective, um, got, got everyone together. And that's obviously trailed off like all companies due to COVID. So I'm excited to see how we come out of this and how we re-implement or change uh, those things that we used to do together pretty often, about every six months it was. And, and Kevin, you know, a good thing to reinforce that is, you know, I'd encourage anybody to go to our website, elastic.co. And if you look at our leadership team, you know, a lot of companies have the executive overviews and it's all these Photoshop perfect pictures. This is all pictures of our execs with their families, with their spouses, with their kids, you know, wearing like jeans and a t-shirt and a baseball cap somewhere. It's it's really reflective of our culture, which is very, very family focused. Yeah. My first time I went to club, I, I, there, so, you know, probably, you know, 120 people at club or something like that at that time. Uh, I would guess that there was probably 10 sellers who didn't have families there. I was one of them. Huge mistake. I have five kids should have brought them, but like everybody, all the execs, all the top sellers, the company got their kids and their spouses with them. And I was like, oh, what a swing and a miss. I really should have talked to some people. Um, but, you know, that is a great example of the culture, uh, just family friendly. Love it. Love it. Um, last question we ask every every team that comes on, um, and this is the business that we're in of, of sales transparency and, and quote attainment transparency. Would, would you show a sales candidate that's interviewing with Elastic your, your CRM slash quote attainment dashboard? in an interview? They, they ask the right questions. I, I don't see why not. I mean, it's uh, it's showing, you don't want to sell somebody and bait and switch, you know, especially, I mean, this is for me, one of the things I've loved most in, in leadership roles is creating jobs. When you can create jobs, the most rewarding <clears throat> thing in the world. And when you, when somebody leaves a company to come work with you, if you sell them on something, they come on board and they discover it's not what they signed up for. I mean, first of all, day one, that's a huge, horrible experience. And it just demotivates the seller. And it's it's not a win-win. Um, I prefer to kind of say, look, this is this is what it's like. Or, hey, this is what attainment looks like. This is what the territory looks like. Because what it also does is it not only sets the right expectations, but if the candidate's not the right person for the company, and they look at it and they say, wow, this looks like it's going to be kind of hard, and they, they opt out, then... It just means that it probably wasn't the right person for the company, and we're gonna we're gonna bring in somebody who's gonna be with us for the long term. So I, I truly believe in that transparency. Awesome. I, I would just say that I've never done that, um, but I've definitely had conversation. I'm pretty transparent just by my nature of sort of the trajectory of the business, or uh, whether you know whether that's an individual branch of service, the Navy or the Marine Corps. Just sort of like, hey, here's where the business started three years ago. Here's kind of the progression of the business. Here's the rate of growth. Like I'm pretty transparent about sharing those kind of things um, because you're now talking about a very specific patch, which they are ex typically experts in, right? In my line of business, right? Great. Appreciate you both coming on. Thanks. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having us. So many good nuggets in there. I took notes. 
good stuff. I know, I know Darren's still thinking about the four day work week. So uh, thank you for okay. the opportunity and uh, really glad to learn all about RepView and uh, super exciting what you all are doing. Uh, it's awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank Thanks you for coming on another yeah. episode of the RepView podcast. <laughs>